Welcome to the BPD Bunch. I'm your host, Sandy, and today I am here with Alex, Darren, Celine, Laura, and Sophie. Where in the world is everyone coming from today? I'm coming from Southern California, from Ways of Mexico. I'm coming from New Jersey. I'm coming from London, UK. I'm also in London, but uh, spiritually in Wales. London in the UK. Today, we're going to talk about breakups. There are a lot of challenges that come along with this, so we're just going to dive right in. Dysfunctional breakups, uh, moments in my life that have probably scarred me forever have been those moments. One thing I can really remember is this need of isolating myself, therefore pretty much manipulating the person into dumping you so you don't have to do it, but then overreacting when it happens, even though you've made it happen. Um, yeah, so that was very consistent. I think it's fair to say I've never had a, 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 a what we should call an easy or relaxed breakup. There's nothing where both parties have gone, yeah, I think we should break up. It's never been like that. I guess that comes with the condition, doesn't it? With a bit of conflict, a bit of, you know, sort of resistance here and there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's never easy. If I'm being dumped, it's just the most painful, horrible thing in the world. And if I'm, if I want to dump someone, it's like kind of similar to what you were saying, Lori, like you want them to break up with you. So it's easier for me. It comes from this place that I don't want to hurt them, first of all. But second of all, there's like this piece that I don't want to face the painfulness of getting over the breakup. And that's something I've really like worked on a lot is that it's okay. Like it's normal that breakups are painful and it's inevitable to go through that pain uh, and that pain will go away. But you know, there's been breakups that I didn't get over it for a year. And it like, I guess I had two breakups where it took probably about a year to get over. It, and those years were the most excruciatingly painful years of my life. So I think that's where that big fear comes from. Even if it's like, that doesn't even come up after the breakup, but it's, it's that fear that that's going to happen and I'm going to fall apart. You know, looking back, I look at some of my like extreme behavior and I think, hmm, maybe that there's a part of me that was kind of trying to act out against the relationship to get it to end without having to be the one responsible. And there's something odd about that because if I look back on all the relationships where I actually took the step to end them, the level of emotional pain that I felt afterwards was much lower than when I was the one who was dumped. From the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, just pain all day, all night. It was horrible. We have minds that love to play tricks on us anyway. And the fact is, what you said there about how when you're doing the dumping, you almost sort of feel anything or you'd feel a lot less, you know, sort of emotional about it. Then when you're dumped, your mind starts thinking, that's how that person's thinking about me. They don't care about me. Right. They really don't. And, and it, your mind is just starts firing coal into the engine of your thought processes and you're just going off the, off the scale. Um, so it's almost, it's almost worse that we go through both experiences because we think everyone doesn't get, give a damn about us in the same way as like we didn't when we dumped other people, which isn't necessarily the case. And we can't give the benefit of the doubt to those other people, unfortunately. A lot of times I think because our sense of self is so fragile that if we are broken up with, we feel worthless. We feel like something's wrong with us. And it's, I think it's honestly, at least for me, it's not even the loss of the relationship that I'm mourning. It's this me coming to 
it's not even like it's real, but feeling like I'm worthless and this person doesn't care about me and nobody cares about me. And it's like, that's that for me, that's what caused all the anxiety. It wasn't like I even really, honestly, I went through a breakup once. I didn't even really like that person so much. And the, the breakup was painful for a year because I felt so worthless. It had nothing to do with him. That sense of worthlessness is, or, or the sense of no one's ever going to love me as much as I love someone still kind of goes the other way for me with narcissism in a sense of going like, if this person wants to break up with me, I'm more bummed out that they don't know what they have. I'm like, but what? I don't understand. You dude, I'm incredible. Like, I don't get it. But at the same time, I feel like no one's ever going to understand how awesome I am the way I understand how awesome I am. Does that make sense? It's, it's, it's <laughs> sickening. Um, but it also causes all of these weird issues where then I isolate and I had, a, I had a horrible problem with cheating because I figured, well, you're going to be better off without me anyway. Are you really going to be suffering that much? You're going to be fine. You know what I mean? But I didn't comprehend that you were actually hurting people that badly. I know, I know of a lot of people like, and obviously you were wondering where that was an issue, but for me, it was, I, it was like the exact opposite. Like I am a serial monogamist. I broke up with someone once when I started having feelings for someone else, even if I, even though I hadn't acted on it, that person was not even an option. Mm. I broke up with my boyfriend at the time because I was like, I can't, I can't even be in this relationship oh. if I have feelings for someone else. I think it plays into the key symptom of fear of abandonment, right? And, um, the for me the being unfaithful has been linked to that and it's interesting what some of you have shared in that you didn't feel as bad when you did the dumping rather than being dumped for me like the emotional distress and pain of and actually i describe it as withdrawal like withdrawal from a drug that's why it's so painful um is is the same when i'm doing the dumping to when i'm being dumped because when i'm doing the dumping I let myself stay and stay and stay because the fear of abandonment and the fear of hurting the other person until I then develop feelings for someone else, I'm unfaithful. And then I'm wracked with so much guilt that I know it's so wrong. And then I, I, I have, I'm forced to break up with that person because I've done something really bad. And then I get maybe even more suicidal because of the guilt, because I've done something that forced me out of that relationship when really that person wasn't right for me and I should have just ended it before. So the two situations where I've done the dumping, the same pattern has happened. So both times I've basically put myself in positions where it's almost worse than being dumped because I'm so racked with guilt and shame. Whereas when you're dumped, it's just like pain and emotional distress, the worthlessness, isolating yourself. Whereas like there's another layer of that guilt and shame for me that puts me in very dangerous positions i just had such a realization about my past breakups based on what you said because the ones that were the, the two that were the most painful for me were the ones that i didn't necessarily cheat maybe it was emotional cheating it was like you know it, it was seeking attention elsewhere the times that that's happened that's when breakups have been the hardest for me and i'm so glad you said that because i never really put that together in my head so maybe that was the reason why it was so painful for me too. So it's interesting because I would say that obviously my diagnosis is later, but I can see now, as you say, you know, when people talking about it, you can see the symptoms. So when I was younger and I didn't have the emotional 
and also intelligent maturity to deal with it. I was so starved of affection and attention that I'd be going out with someone and if someone else showed me any attention, I would be straight in that direction and become fixated with them because this person actually likes me, they care about me, they're actually showing interest in me. And I'd, I'd almost like be a puppy sort of running around, sort of like chasing it out, you know, sort of, if, if you show me attention, but then as I became more comfortable with myself and sort of started to accept things, it became less so. So that it's sort of, you know, as a sort of, and it, you go from teenage relationships where it's sort of less serious, let's say, at that point. But you think it's the end of the world at this moment in time. And then you go on to later years and sort of you start to realise that actually these are the deep and impactful relationships. Thankfully, I started to develop a little bit more maturity around it and didn't start getting my head swung in directions. I would say, like, as a teenager, I wasn't... I was so, like, in love with love. My partners would, like, cheat, let's say, and then I would want to still stay with them. But the only way to make it right so that we don't break up would be for me to level the playing field. I would make sure I hit it where it hurts. Like, if I was with a woman, I'd make sure I sleep with a man. I was really vindictive. Um, This was up until I was, like, what, 17 or something. But then after that... um, like, I was still addicted to love, but I became a serial monogamist, I would say. And um, if someone was to break up with me, I would find a way to try and get them back. Um, well, with one serious relationship I had, they would just break up with me and break up with me and break up with me and break up with me. And I think I broke up with that person twice in the whole thing. I was so done with, like, the relationship and I thought, OK, I'm never going to let go. So I need to do something for myself so I can let go. So on the last day, I kissed someone else. And I was like, OK, well, this is it then. I have to break up with them. Like, And then, like, I think after that, things changed. Like, I would be the one that would dump. Like, I'd break up with someone and then immediately regret it and, like, go back to say, oh, please come back. Ah. And then we'd break up and then, like, I'd keep on doing it. Like, oh, no, we can't do this anymore. And then I'd come back and be like, oh, please, you're the love of my life. (laughs) So, yeah, breakups are horrible. The only way I can get past that is to actually, as you did, was sort of, like, burn bridges right at the end so that... Even whatever my affection is, I can never go back because it's all gone. It's obliterated. How many of you guys have had breakups that just go on forever and ever and ever because of that push-pull dynamic? Because I've had a bunch of those. Like, yeah, like at least a year after the breakup, we're still like hooking up once in a while and are still like thinking about getting back together. Or oh, forever relationship. Nothing like, not like that. I've had, I've had uh, getting back together and breaking up. But if you're talking to me, I'm trying to get back together with you. Like, we are not <laughs> friends. This is not, this is not like, okay, like, once we are done, we are done. Uh, the relationship I had before I got together with my husband, I even told the person, I was like, block me. Don't let me get back into your life because, like, I, I need to be able to move on and I'm not going to be able to do that if I'm in your life. I admire that because I'm it's really actually mature. friends I'm friends with all of my exes, Um, friends to where we like send messages all the time. And the way I always thought about it was if if in the moment that I was with this person, it should have been important for me to be with this person. They must have been good. Um, They are good and they have something good to give back. I just didn't want to take them away from my life. And and I'm still very close to four of them. But uh, but I do admire that because at the same time, sometimes that causes other issues. I know that 
for the I will say that for the first time in my life and I'm in a I'm I'm in a relationship where it's it's great, right? And I've never felt jealousy in my life. I've never been jealous about someone else that just wasn't a part of my nature. And in this one, I'm like, oh, if he still talked to his girlfriend, I'd probably be like, oh, I don't know if I like that. So it, <laughs> it, it's it's fair, you know, and I, I it's putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And what Sophie was talking about over romanticizing, that's what I did as a teenager, over romanticized to a point where it was it was it was sickening like even Darren said like a little puppy you know you're looking for affection and I think one of the major issues in my case was that my very first relationship ever I was 14 and in Mexico this is more normalized even though honestly I'm learning now that it it shouldn't and he was about to be 20. He broke up with me with a lot of gaslighting and we literally were kind of like uh, like Alex was saying, unable to fully break up for the next eight years, wow. which was just mind-boggling, right? So I think there is a lot to do with when you're really young, susceptible, you know, I already obviously had Tourette's and general anxiety and all these things, and then that relationship. So there's so many, so many things going on there. And, and I didn't realize it until I started going to therapy and, you know, dealt with all these things. And now when I started... Uh, you know, recovering around 2020, 20, 21, 22, you start realizing, oh man, that's impactful, especially at that age. Lord, do you feel like there was a lot of trauma bond? There was a lot of trauma bond. It was so romantic. You know what I mean? He was a musician, an exceptional musician. He's an exceptional person. He was involved in movements just like I was. There was this crazy romance. He was, I would look at him, I'd be like, oh my God, this is the most perfect person I've ever seen. But there was a lot of problems that he had that I had. And there was trauma bond for sure. And I didn't understand about trauma bond until honestly eight years later where I was like, oh, this has to, this is not good. Mm -hmm. He would always be like, no, our story is never going to end. Like this tale is never going to end. Like we were supposed to be together. And then it's like, you're like, oh my God. I was that person. Zandy's <laughs> ah! <laughs> like, no, that was me. <laughs> I've, um, I've got a relationship that never broke up properly um mm. because um she died she was murdered um when oh, i was 18 wow. oh. so it's made every relationship since then every relationship i've started she, she's played a part in it because she's still there because mm. it's you know it's it's something i have to tell people and it's sort of impacted on how my future relationships so that never broke up as such so that that's a weird one to take you know it, it's sort of it's like when you go into a relationship at what point do you point out yeah um uh, my girlfriend was <laughs> this experience you know I've had ex-girlfriends whose friends have said oh don't get involved you know he's still sort of hung up on her or whatever or you know he's still got well I, I am going to be hung up on it because it's a traumatic incident but you know you're, you're comparing yourself to somebody who is, who is dead so you can't compare so it, it doesn't but I have had girlfriends in the past who've cited it in a breakup so that's that's a really tough one to deal with wow I'm so sorry Darren I'm so, so sorry. Uh, and I um, have a sort of similar experience. Um, I, after the like really terrible breakup that like I'm always talking about, um, I ended up in a facility in Texas where I like made this like best friend person who like, I think it took, it wasn't until after he was no longer alive that I realized how I felt about him he passed away and the, the, uh, very suddenly, like we were having a conversation and he was gonna, 
this was after we were not not in the facility anymore and he was like oh I'm, i should have gone to a step-down program like you know maybe i can come up to where you are and then he had he had a condition and he just suddenly died and and it was really difficult after that not to hold other people to his standard because like in a way in my mind like i kind of build up in my head oh gosh i'm getting emotional but <laughs> i could build up in my head this version this perfect version of us that we could have been and since since we never got to have that relationship i couldn't i couldn't convince myself that that wouldn't have been how it would have been it's hard not to be like i that person was the one like i missed my chance like he's not here anymore and i have to settle for the world whatever's left so so we got together when we were 12 we were 12 and it's sort of you know uh, she's obviously like the first person sort of lost my virginity first person ever told all my troubles in the world to the only person who I told anyone troubles to until I was in my 30s and went to the, uh, see a psychiatrist. So it was sort of like, wow. for that person to disappear out of your life, is, it, it, that is why it was so hard, sort of, and that's why you hold people to standards. And you don't mean to. That's the thing. And you, you, you try to convince people that I'm, I'm not trying to hold you to that standard, but you need to know that this person played a large impact in my life, as most long-term relationships, or certainly... If you had a good experience with your first love, that's generally, you know, how you feel about that. That that person will always hold a special place for you. Um, but you know, there's, there's fortunately there's been plenty of breakups since then that have sort of taken the shine off. <laughs> that every breakup's going to be sort of, you know, ideal scenario. So yeah, I think best breakup I ever had, just to lighten the mood a bit. <laughs> was actually getting, getting caught getting off next to her while she was getting off with someone else next to me. That was a fascinating one. <laughs> wow. Just as a disclaimer, I am very happily married now. I love my husband very much. I'm glad that I was wrong that like that that, that I would always that you know that my one like wasn't here. You know, no matter how you lose somebody, like sometimes it's hard. I was depressed and and, and suicidal for like two years. Partially because he died and I just kind of felt like I was never gonna get over any of it. And I was just gonna be stuck in this hell forever. And even when it's not a love relationship, even when it's a friend, I know I did that. My my best friend who, who was, you know, the person that you trust, the person that knows you, the person that you could just look at them and they, you, they know exactly what you mean or what you're trying to tell them. You know, that crazy bond, he was taken in 2015. And, and when he was taken, it was like, holy shit, like no one's ever going to be a friend like that to me. And like you guys said, you still put people, you put that person on a pinnacle. And when new friends arrive, it's very difficult. You're like, you guys are never going to be him. And you don't mean to, but it just, it just happens. So whether it's love or not, I think loss is a very traumatic experience and, and it's hard to, uh, it's hard to deal with that. Even in like through breakups where someone doesn't pass away, it's kind of the same thing. Like when you, when you first go through a breakup, you think that maybe you're never going to find anyone else who does this with you or likes this as much as you like this. And it's like you put this. It's the grief. It's grief. And there's so much romanticizing in your mind. Even if like the relationship was toxic and not healthy, you know, it's still it's like our minds for some reason just yeah. attached to all those good moments you know 
So one of the things I want to ask everybody is I've seen like online in terms of stereotypes, people will say like, oh, like people with BPD move on so fast. You know, they're oh gone and God. over you, right? Oh, like, rebounding. Like, I've, I've heard people say that. And it's interesting because like, I guess maybe from the outside, if I think about my own behavior, like maybe it would look that way because I would like try to date a lot of people. But I like when a serious relationship ended, I was really passing time the most my like really dysfunctional scary bpd symptoms come out is when i lose someone usually to a breakup i'm so i'm just curious because it's like for me like part of what was so hard about that first like serious like painful breakup was that it like it took two years and no matter how many people i went on dates with i didn't feel better i can really understand that one you're trying to numb the pain. You're trying to dull the pain a lot of the, the experience, you know, and depending on your own experiences, for, for speaking personally, it was because I hated being alone. Absolutely detested being alone. Yeah. And, you know, like ex-girlfriends, if I wanted to get back with them, would say, you just don't want to be on your own. That's the only reason you want to get back together with me. And of course, you're there going, no, no, that's not the case. That's not the case. When actually, years later, you sort of look back and you think, it's exactly the case. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to tell though when you're in the moment, right? Rebounding is was used to be one of my bad maladaptive coping mechanisms where I'm learning that I don't need to run into another relationship to grieve and, and actually be on my own and that's okay. Oh, that was that was my biggest problem. This this one person who was literally the love of my life, even though the person would be the one that would always break up with me. And then when I'm trying to pick my life up and move on, you don't love me. You go and move on all the time. And I'm like, I don't know how to be by myself. I don't know how to be by myself. I have to fill that void with something else. Don't you understand? You don't want to scare them by saying you would. Uh, it's better I'm with someone else because I don't want you don't want to see me on my own. You don't want that. <laughs> honestly and like because of that void filling i would never intentionally date anyone i would just be like oh yeah next best thing like if i met you in a club if i met you wherever i met you i'm just like oh you make me laugh all right come on in and then i'd end up with strays yeah <laughs> and, for eight, and i never know how to leave i don't know how to leave so like even if i say okay nope i don't want to do it anymore and then later on i'm like i don't know how to be by myself nope fuck, come back nope come, come. you have to come back and then we just go through this cycle over and over again it's so funny that you mentioned strays you know you end up <laughs> in those situations and you go oh my god i've known this person for like a week and now you know they're living with me or something like that you know and i've been there and you're so right about dating intentionally i never did that <laughs> and you end up I in these shitty situations and I talk about that with my partner now all the time. And my partner and I have been friends for nine years. And I had never dated anyone that I had been a friend for for such a long time. And you go, oh, this is so much better, you know, because you know each other for such a long time. There's an intention, there's love. And, and obviously with a lot of help and recovery and therapy and a lot of tools that I've gathered, you are able to move on to much more mature and healthier relationships and actually this last year I had my very first very healthy breakup and it was a it was a nine-year relationship and we were engaged at one point and I had to very calmly tell him I I think you're a great person and I love you as a person but I don't love you as a partner anymore 
And it her, it was so brave of me because I was like, how do you, how do you say that? Like, how do you tell someone you don't love them anymore? It's horrible. And to my surprise, yes, it was, it was, it was saddening and he was bummed. But at the same time, he said, you know what? I think we did fall out of love uh, a while ago. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was honestly the first experience in my life where that happened. And I was very proud because I really did take all these tools that you learn in therapy and really adapt them and, and put them into play. And you go, wow, you know, it's, it is possible. So just if anyone out there is hearing it, it doesn't matter how bad it's been in the past, you can cope, you can learn skills and you, and it can be better next time. I think one of the most important things after going through a breakup, I think a lot of us are used to trying to fill ourselves with other relationships or other people. I personally never really had, I've, I've always found that kind of difficult because I'm, I've been more like stuck on the other person so much that I haven't really been able to open up to new people. But you know, after my most recent breakup, I promised myself I didn't want to date. I actually didn't, I didn't date for like a good six months. Um, and I just focused on myself and on my work and everything that I enjoy and just continue to build up my sense of self because my sense of self was so raveled up in my relationships that I realized I, I can't, like, I don't have any desire to do that. I don't want to find someone new. I want to find myself. I want to love myself. And then now I'm at the point where I, I see my worth as a partner. I see what I can bring to a relationship. I know what I want. Like I know exactly what I want in a partner. So now I'm dating very intentionally and I'm, and it's just much easier to navigate when you love yourself too, because you feel like you're worthy of that love too. And I just think that's the most important piece before moving on. My most recent breakup, really, when you don't intentionally date someone, things just start to come out later on. And then the, when the cracks show, you're kind of like, oh, gosh, like I thought this person was perfect. Um, and I thought they thought I was perfect and we were completely in love. And um, and now I find myself by myself and I realise how much I do need that time to be by myself for once. I call it monkey bars. Like before I let go of one bar, I have to have another one in front of me. So for me, having like I had to get let go and stand on the ground, you know? So that's where I'm at now because it's been, what, since I was like 16 or something, I think the longest I've been single or like not in an entanglement or situationship is like what, two or three months in between. And so I need time to breathe because I don't feel like I know who, like, I'm only understanding who I am now. I was just in a spiral of, like, wanting to understand my partner and being enmeshed with my partner so much that I didn't know anything about me. And I think when you feel like that, people, guys, the ones who are watching at home, if you ever feel like you don't know who you are, that's not the time to be dating. Do not get in a relationship with somebody else. That's not going to solve it. And they're not going to show you who you are or you're not going to find out. You'll just merge yourself and you'll just prolong yourself becoming a whole person, a whole integrated person. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm having to yeah. learn now how to like integrate the bits that were once fragmented in myself. Just giving myself, like, the time. You know, I've been single for, what, like, nearly a year, I'm going to say. And I was so scared to do this thing because I just felt so broken and alone and, like, I was going to die, basically, by myself. And giving myself that and surrounding myself with friends who will continuously remind me that a breakup is not the end. You can make it through this life and use the tools that you've got now. I, I was kind of like, ah, ooh, <laughs> is this is that it? Like, oh, okay. It's, it's not that bad. 
So yeah, I, I feel in the strongest place I've ever been. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I think the biggest key here is the is the intentionally versus reactionarily because there is no like set time, and that's one of the things that I'll, I always feel like the stuff that you see online where it's like. It, you know, it sounds like there's like a rule book that people think like that you should line. follow, like, you mm. know, or like the whole, oh, you know, don't text someone back until like this number of hours. I'm like, those to me are mm. arbitrary relationship rules that mean nothing. Like it, 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 it is always about the people involved and what mm. works for that situation. It's context dependent, right? So like, you know, there was a period where, you know, I was single for like five years because I was, I just couldn't do it. And between the relationship previous to before my husband, it was like a month. I mean, but when I first met my now husband, I was still heartbroken over that last relationship. But basically what happened was I learned from that relationship something critical that I had been missing, which was that I need to look for someone specific and not just like let my feet run away with my feelings and 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 follow this idea of someone that I have in my mind, right? Like I, I need to look for someone. There are certain values that I have that, you know, we need, need to be compatible. There's a certain type of person that I need in my life. And, and so when I, when that relationship ended and I was like, oh, I know, I know who I need to find now. I just went out to find that person. I mean, that this is after several weeks of locking myself in my bedroom and crying every day and, um, you know, basically just doing whatever I could to not harm myself. And then after that, it was like, I still feel horrible. Um, and I know what I want. And I know that this feeling will fade because it has before. That was the other thing too. It was like, once you've done it once, it's like, at least for me, I was able to convince myself, well, it, it doesn't make sense that I could get over it once, but I can't do it again. So even though I don't feel like I will ever get over this pain, I know I've done it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to go find who I'm looking for and do it. And that's what I did. <laughs> I, I think it's really funny that you guys are talking about set periods of time because I'm currently taking three months abstinence from dating and I have set a time Woo! because I am really bad at boundarying myself and I have struggled with this going back to old partners over and over again, thinking that we're destined to be together and not being able to move on and find, like you said, Zanny, the person who I know who is out there, who, who is for me, who has the same values as me. And I'm, like you said, I'm really related to what you said, Sophie, a lot of it, because I'm in that period and I took January off actually to really work on this issue because I'm dry so Jan. ready to like find my relationship. Yeah, I did dry Jan. I took time off work. I started <laughs> going to 12-step fellowships and really working on being alone and figuring out what it is that I'm looking for so I can be super intentional because I'm ready to get married and have a family but at the same yeah. time that BPD part of me is like you're never gonna get that you you can't hold down a relationship you can't be faithful so I was like I'm gonna work really hard on this so that I don't keep repeating the same patterns and like knowing my values you were saying like learning what my values are knowing them and doing daily actions to keep me on track whilst I'm single is so important for me. So when I know, when I'm going into a relationship, I know who I am. I'm a whole person and a complete person by myself. That's a daily affirmation for me because I have to remind myself that. 
And I think that's great because like you're, you know, you set a time for yourself, right? It's not, I mean, you may have heard that amount of time from somewhere, but no one is being like, this is what you, maybe they are, but you're, you know, this is a decision you make for yourself, right? My therapist. <laughs> I think that's the key is like, whatever it is, whether you are taking a set time or not, it's that it's, it's something that you do because it makes sense to you and aligns with your goals and values for yourself, not because you're trying to fit somebody else's like yeah. design for or like dating the right way right I, I agree so much on both ends like I'm a very organized person so when I set myself goals I set myself goals with specific timelines and all of these things right and relationships are the same but at the same time Zanny's so correct because you don't know what's going to happen to your life at any minute right and I think the point is if anyone's listening out there you could be in Alex's shoes or my shoes or you know different person's shoes and feel connected to their stories because in my case a lot of people do judge or right away they go oh my god she went from this relationship to this relationship but a lot of people don't realize that and I'm going to be quite honest in in that long relationship that I was in for the last 4 or 5 years I was alone I was very alone and during that time that I was alone even though the person was right there I was working on these things constantly being like, I know I'm going to have to get out of here, but when I do, I'm going to build all of this. So the point out there is if you're listening is every situation is going to be different. If you can set yourself a timeline, great. If it doesn't happen that way, we also have to adapt and, and be able to, like Zanny said, not because someone says something, just make sure that you're looking in your life and absolutely learn to, to be alone, learn to deal with these situations, but also don't judge because you never know how alone a person was to begin with in a relationship. It sounds like you built yourself up while you were still in it too, which is really nice. Like also like it's, uh, you still were able to take that time for yourself and figure out what you want. 100%. What are some of the like specific skills or tasks or things that you do or have done to help you manage some of the urges or emotions during the breakup period so i have a list that i pre-prepared oh, wow. for the episode yeah, share. multiple support systems identifies codependent and so i can get wrapped up in my partner and then they're, they're my only support system so, you know, having multiple support systems outside of my partner, I think is healthy, but it's also a really good protective mechanism upon breaking up. I've already said knowing my values, knowing who I am, identifying my per who I am outside of that other person so that I can be a complete person by myself. And my biggest one is, which I've just learned, is that I need to ask for help. And that's the opposite action. I always really want to isolate when I go through breakups but I feel like shit. It makes me feel even more lonely than I already am. And, you know, listening to triggering sad music. So like the re recent period I've been going through, I've been listening to worship music only and safe things and keeping myself safe. So those are my things. I'm glad you brought up the music thing too. Me because too. Because I think a big piece for me was, was not listening to breakup songs because Same. it just seeped like seep in your sadness. <laughs> I would listen to the, the, the like the depressing breakup songs, the ones that like make you feel worse, you know, and it's so interesting because it was I think it was actually when I was like either right before I got married or I was actually married. I I went through a period where I started listening to the angry breakup songs or the like I'm better off without you breakup songs that I never listened to before. Yeah. And I kind of had like a, this, I think it was like the beginning. Yeah, it was the beginning of the lockdown. I was, it was like sort of stuck here and, and, and feeling sort of depressed, which brought up some of the like 
feelings from the old relationships. And it was almost like I finally let go of some of those people that I'd been holding on to listening to the like, uh, there's a song, my little mix, like shout out to my ex, you know, shout out to my yeah. ex. Uh, I love that song. I love that song yeah. so much because it was kind of like, you know, this like, I'm, it's like, I don't need you. Like I'm good where Empowering. I am, you know? Yeah, like the empowering breakup songs. I, and I wish, that's one thing I really like regret is that I didn't lean more into that stuff when I was really depressed. Like, you know, no judgment. A lot of people use these things to feel things, to let out their emotions. But you just got to be mindful of how these things affect you. If they put you in a state where you, you're you going to yeah. feel more tempted to do something, you know, self-harming or lashing out, you know, maybe it's it's not effective maybe pick the empowering breakup songs you know or or yeah. you know disney music or whatever it is i'm the other way i'm the other way i go so there's there's one particular song which um if you go to a pearl jam concert there's a song called black they play they've only started playing it again they didn't used to play it um and there's particular lyrics where if you if you look around the crowd you'll just see men just streaming with tears and it, we're all thinking the same thing it's all past relationship. And the lyric is like, I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky. Why, 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 why can't it be in mine? And when it's done, all these guys, are just, it's just, it's just, it has, if you stand outside of it, it's quite comical. But it's like guys all hugging each other and stuff. It's, like, it's hilarious. So, yeah, that's the sort of, that. That's the darker moments. <laughs> well, I think it goes back to that context dependence, right? Like for some yeah. people, like that's needed because they don't feel their emotions yep. enough and you got to get it out. And for other people, maybe like me, where it's like, I feel like it's like too much. <laughs> I don't, I don't need more of that. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I have a playlist on my Spotify that says it's called <laughs> moving on in all caps. And it's all just like, like F you, <laughs> like I'm good on my own. It's the best. <laughs> I have to wallow like, first. I have to wallow first. And then that's the sad playlist. And then I'll move on after that. I've got my playlist, my designated playlist. Like I've got one called Heartbreak Healing. And I listen to like Lizzo and all those people. And like sometimes I'll just put on my skates and like, oh my gosh, in my Heartbreak Healing playlist, right? There's this, um, what's it? Is it Gloria Gaynor? I will survive. Oh! Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I, I will listen to that song and I will like pretend like, I'm, I'm like in a in a room with like disco balls and I'm like spinning and I'm like, I'm gonna get over this. And like, it just helps me. Like, I feel like a diva, you know? Like, so I go the other way and I'm like, yes, I'm empowered. I like that. Yeah. I go, uh, I go Darren's way, but uh, I do <laughs> use the tools that <laughs> Celine mentioned, multiple support systems. That's one of the number ones in my book because I don't usually do that. Like you said, codependency. When it comes to, um, the other one that you mentioned that's real. Oh, asking for help. That was huge on my list because I don't ask for help because I'm a lone wolf and I can do this shit by myself, which is not a good idea. And you don't ask for help. It's a super stupid idea. So I've definitely learned from that. <laughs> and then there's something that I call uh, emotional creation or catharsis. I've always been obsessed with the word catharsis. So what I do is I do what Darren does. I get really low, but I create something from it. So I've always seen that it's a very good... For me to feel that level of sadness, to be able to write really beautiful things or to draw or to paint. So usually whatever that is, I create a catharsis over it and then I create something beautiful. And then when I see it, I have a plenty of paintings around my wall. I am reminded that something beautiful happened from something really bad. So those are the kind of three things and ways I cope with it. Can you add journaling 
to all the stuff that I just said. Uh, journaling, um, definitely relying on like um, my friends and family and stuff. Um, and also like eating well and sleeping at a good time because if those level there's exactly Self-care. that basic level of functional functioning like if you can't achieve that then everything else just goes to crap so yeah that's me and it, and it, and an important thing is is the routine make sure if you're on any medication to keep with the medication because you can this can all drop off you can forget things you can sort of lose routines so it's important to keep that aspect um, in place because that certainly won't improve things if you miss out on those i don't know if anyone else has ever experienced this i used to feel this responsibility to show the world how horribly i felt like i have to be miserable or it didn't mean anything like Mm. like falling apart on the floor means that it meant something i had to display how awful I was feeling and how sad I was. Otherwise, no one would know how much it meant. And everyone needed to know that it was so painful, mm. right? And I I think realizing that, like, I don't have to be screaming at the top of my lungs to be sad. You know, I don't have to be hurting myself to be grieving. Just a couple of dark dark layers mm. of clothing. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there, there's a way that I can express. And so I think a lot of the things that have been suggested, like creative outlets are great. I think for me, one of the things is trying to get involved, was trying to get involved in things outside of the home, like the meaningful activities for me. I may not like stick with them like long term, but that's okay. Like trying something new and getting out there just to try to figure out who I am without this other person, I think is is really valuable. Some people have a very hard time when they go through a breakup with like checking on social media, checking people's social media pages and, you know, like checking to see when someone was online, if they're answering your message. It's, it's obsession. It's complete obsession. And I just want to give some some tips for people experiencing that because I think for me, that was one of the most distressing things in the world. There's got to be a way of disconnecting with those urges. I kind of think it's similar to OCD in a way, the way that it's just like very, very obsessive and then doing these compulsive behaviors, checking and seeing if someone's online. As hard as it is to delete someone's phone number, to delete them off of Snapchat, like whatever you can do to put space between that behavior and that thought, that, that urge to check on someone. That's great advice, Alex, especially if you're diagnosed with BPD and OCD. You definitely mm-hmm. want to probably uh, go ahead and do that. Mm. I sent really nasty emails too. So so I was lucky that I got uh, got blocked on social media. I know someone who blocks um, and then deletes the number so that they can't unblock because they don't remember the number. And obviously that that's not a social media thing. That's a number thing, but that's another mechanism. And just agreeing in a period of no contact sometimes can be good. I've done that with my previous ex-boyfriend. But what you were saying, Alex, I really relate to. And I had on my list of old patterns, obsessive longing and compulsive actions, because that is a really Mm -hmm. big one for me, like driving past their house when I'm in the area, like just doing crazy things like that that are just not helpful. Going to their favourite pub or place they drink or things like that. Um, Yeah, I, I agree completely. One of the things you can do as well is just sort of, Avoid the, the activities that you would have done together. Change the routine. You know, go and do something that they would never have done that you wanted to do. Um, and equally, I think it, it's worth if you if you do have an ability to 
as you did with blocking the other person, the other person getting to block you. You know, they they if they've known anything about you in the BPD, realise that if it's going to get nasty, we can get a hell of a lot nastier than you can. <laughs> Just <laughs> so yeah. it's in your it's in your interest to you know, <laughs> yeah. I really like what you brought up, Darren, about like not doing the, the, the things that you would have done together. And I think even just simple things like finding different driving routes. So I'm not driving by the things that send me spiraling, you know, f- going out to explore other places to get coffee other than, you know, places that we used to go together. Um, all of those kinds of things were really helpful. I mean, and then when I got over it, I could go by those places and it, it didn't bother me. But I think in the mm-hmm. beginning, it was so useful just to avoid those places and not putting myself in a position where I was going to activate really intense emotions that I'd have a hard time regulating. It's nice to get to the point where you feel like you can revisit those things. Like I used to avoid certain areas of the city, like neighborhoods, like my ex's old neighborhood. But then once I, it was like, you know, a year later and I felt like I could go back, it felt good to be able to like go there and not even think about him. That that's like when you know, like you're over it. (laughs) I feel like if anyone's listening to this, who's currently dealing with a breakup, just remember that you will get through this as horrible as it feels you will get through this and you will get over it and you are complete as a person even if you haven't felt that way yet it's the worst thing in the world for a lot of us but it's something you can get through I remember just thinking you know how am I ever gonna live without this person and like here I am living and shit you know so it gets better it gets better you just have to ride it out and do the, some of the things that we've uh, suggested or recommended on here. There's a song I listen to, Breakups and stuff like that, and it, it, the sentiments of it, it, it's by George Harrison, it's called All Things Pass. And it, it, the sentiment of it, it's, you know, it, every aspect of life, you have to go through these things to make you a better person, to make you a stronger person. You know, and as much as pain, as hurt as you're going through now, you will overcome it, you will see the other side of it, and you will become a better person because of that and you will look back in later life and see where it strengthened you i always say anything's either a lesson or a blessing absolutely i think that it's okay to feel those emotions at that moment they're very strong and you can explore them but they don't have to control you and you have to know that you can ask for help and you can try to get support elsewhere and it will pass like everyone had said so you're going to be okay and we all are and we've all been through it so just know that it, it it too shall pass just because a relationship ends doesn't mean that it was a failure you know like hindsight is 2020 it's really easy to be like man i should have seen how things would turn out and it's a waste because you know we didn't stay together i think it's important to be really to be kinder to yourself and and recognize that all relationships, even friend, you know, our friendships are a gamble, right? Like you never know for sure how things are going to turn out. Sometimes when a relationship ends, the most valuable thing you learn is what you don't want. And that sometimes is really painful. I don't want anyone who's going through the pain to feel like there's like they like they wasted their energy because most people with BPD really care a lot about other people. We love deeply. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, we don't we don't get to pick and choose our emotions. We don't get to pick only intense positive ones, right? We're all we're we're sensitive creatures, so we have intense positive and negative emotions, and that's that's okay. Thank you, everyone, so much for watching. That was definitely uh, quite the up and down episode, but hopefully, you got some tips to use to manage your 
breakups a little bit more easily moving forwards. Next week, we will be back talking about some of the different treatment options and paths to recovery. Come back to check that out. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a single update. And we will see you then. Bye.